When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Thursdays here at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's NFL opener tonight, Tampa, Dallas. You'll hear it right here on ESPN Lincoln and some of our affiliates around the state that also carry NFL coverage. We have plenty of bull to talk and sift through. It's a no-bull Thursday. Brandon Vogel going to be with us in about 15 minutes. Gary Barnett. Hall of Fame coach with Colorado and Northwestern. It is another Jeremiah Searles update. We'll get Searles' take on the lines of scrimmage. And, uh, yes, it is Burke's best bets. Danny will give us his take on Nebraska and Buffalo. That line up to 13-and-a-half. The over-under right around 54, 55-and-a-half. So maybe some points. Saturday at Memorial Stadium. And a lot's been made of the heat. I know it's going to be just brutal. We're talking uh, mid to, to upper 90s, uh, a drier heat versus that 17 shirt Saturday. Sometimes you get when it's super muggy. But uh, an update here from Nebraska football just to pass along with the temps being near record highs Saturday. Uh, Nebraska Athletics has the following update for fan information and a reminder for those attending the game against Buffalo. Kickoff again, 240 Central. Nebraska Athletics going to implement an exception to Memorial Stadium's food and beverage policy for the Buffalo game. Uh, so the regular policy reads food and beverage from approved game day vendors selling on university grounds are allowed inside the stadium. Personal empty water bottles going to be allowed into the stadium for fans to be able to refill at Fountain's inside all other outside food and beverages prohibited certain situations may arise extreme heat that uh, that initiate exceptions to this policy the university and athletic department going to communicate to the public if exceptions will be made so uh, there you go uh, for the for the water uh, side uh, stay hydrated what's the hottest game you've, you've ever been to I usually try to avoid the really hot so ones. So you just wussing out on me. Like, I mean, never? You just said, no, I'm good. Oh, it's just Nebraska, Colorado, hypothetically. And one of the, that, that's like the coldest. I've been, the coldest I've been either Colorado or, or Oklahoma. Ames is always hovering around there because it's always 30 and blustery in Ames. Uh, never been to Iowa City for a game. Someday we'll do that. But the hottest, I think, man, this had to go back to 99, I think. Nebraska got two defensive touchdowns. I think it was uh, one of Crouch's starts, right, with the old Newcomb Crouch back and forth in, in late 99. But long story short, that was brutal. Uh, 
We're talking probably lower 90s, 1,000% humidity. Southern Miss almost pulled off the upset. And Julius Jackson had a couple of defensive scores, a scoop and score, and then an interception return. And Nebraska held on against a pretty good Southern Miss team, 20-14. to 14. And uh, the rest is kind of history with that team as they finish number two in the country. But that's the hottest. We were in college. We were not wise with our choice of hydration before the game. And then some of us may have woke up in the third quarter. (laughs) It was awful. With an IV in the arm. No, I mean, that's, you know, you joke, but you shouldn't with just, you have a lot of folks that have seen a lot of football, right? And you just want them to to stay safe uh, going to the football game because it's one last uh, roar of summer, right, before fall weather going to sit in. So we'll uh, we'll check in. Brandon Vogel will have a thought on Nebraska volleyball as they were dominant against Creighton last night. And Vogue's has the I-80 podcast up and posted, as it's called, entitled the Corn Beef Edition. That's what it's going to come down to. As we look at things for Saturday with Nebraska, it's going to be about their beef. It's going to be about their offensive line, and you can always make the case that's the situation anyway, right? But really, as they face an aggressive defense, as they get ready for uh, James Patterson and and Taylor Riggins, Buffalo's a little bit leaner, and they're going to just fly off the ball, try and penetrate in, and just raise hell. Okay, That's what Buffalo's going to do defensively and and offensively. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they they, they want to run the football, but that's that's my question mark going into this, right? It's going to be Nebraska's run defense against that that Buffalo offensive line. And uh, as, as good as Buffalo has been, we're talking three straight bowls and consecutive trips to the MAC championship game. They've got a new offensive line, right? And and while they put up a boatload of points against Wagner and, and ran pretty well, they do have a new back. They do have guys that have been in the program for a while. But beyond uh, Kevin Marks, there's, there's just some guys who haven't been in the spotlight or asked to carry the load in a game of this magnitude. Now, Buffalo isn't going to be scared. Buffalo was at Penn State just a couple of years ago. And Buffalo was only down seven at half, and then Penn State turned it on. It's going to be interesting here to, the, to see how the flow of this game is, right? Is Buffalo able to sustain success? Are they going to hang around? And is their confidence going to grow? And are they going to be forcing this thing to a wire? Vegas says 13 and a half. What does Nebraska need Saturday? What do you think? 466-377-6800-825-5865 or chris at hailvarsity.com. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Elijah, is it as much as you don't want to deal with the drama and everyone's been kicking dirt on Nebraska since Illinois and you really kind of roll your eyes at, at Fordham? I, I don't because I look at this team that, that needs something good to happen and they were able to really kind of put the pedal down second, third, fourth quarter. A, a tight ball game that's forcing you to play perfect um, is, is kind of what Nebraska needs to, to get better at. Now, how does Buffalo 
stay in this thing and, and make it a, a, a white knuckler. Well, they'll, they'll stay in it. Either A, they're having success with their defense against Nebraska's line and there's some, some turnovers forced. Or offensively, uh, they're balanced enough to hit Nebraska with some big plays through the passing game or their O-line. Doesn't matter that they're kind of new and trying to get get gelled. Uh, Marks gets loose, right, and, and does his thing on the ground against Nebraska. So that side of it, you're, you're ticked off if you're Nebraska. But overall, this team needs a a four quarter battle and and win, right? They've they've fell short in in games that have been tight against teams they're supposedly better than. And you look at Troy back in 2018 after the Colorado loss. You look at the Purdue loss, right, where they jumped out 10 nothing and then just peed that one away. Colorado and Boulder, they were up big and didn't finish. Illinois, you know, they, they had a chance to really seize control two weeks ago. And then Minnesota last year. I mean, they were up, and then Minnesota really – Finished that ball game off in the fourth quarter down 30-plus players due to COVID. So what does Nebraska want versus what does Nebraska need is is two different questions. You want them to just drop the hammer and, and be up several scores and just never, ever let up in a good old-fashioned blowout. It'd be cool. That'd be some of that momentum we speak of going into Norman. Now, What's best for this football team is to probably be tested and then answer the bell. I don't know what the hell game we're going to get out. I, I, I know we, we have fun with our prognostications and projections, but I, I really can't tell you. What I want to see, I want to see, see consistent, fierce play on the line of scrimmage. I want to see Nebraska's defense snuff out. That Buffalo rushing attack, I want to see Nebraska's defense absolutely get after Van Treese, the quarterback. And I want to see Nebraska's defense keep this thing going where they forced three turnovers, two of which were after Fordham had crossed Nebraska's 50. So keep this up if I'm Nebraska, where I'm, I'm, I'm shutting down the, the opponent's offense, I'm getting after the quarterback, I've been great against the run. And, and make it really, really difficult where eventually that Buffalo defense that's fast and furious and penetrating and aggressive is out of gas because you've been just body blowing them. I want to see that. And I want to see Nebraska get a, a running back and a second running back lathered up and going. And quite honestly, I want to see Nebraska grade well against a decent opponent. They graded well last week against Fordham. They didn't grade very well in the run or the pass protection or run blocking against Illinois. Buffalo's probably a better team than Illinois at this point in the year and at the end of the season. Can you be better on the uh, offensive line of scrimmage? You want to see Corcoran kind of get into form. I want to see whether it's Piper or whoever at left guard really up their game and and then continue it on, on the right side. And if it isn't Piper, is it going to be Bando? Is it going to be uh, Brant Banks? I liked what I saw from, from the, the backup offensive line. Nebraska just kept grinding and grinding and pounding and pounding. And the other thing here with Nebraska football, you live and die by the blitz. Coach McBride, you hear the smile in his voice. 
when he talks about living and dying by the sword, right? Well, that's that's blitzing. Uh, that's coming after uh, the opposing quarterback. That's what Buffalo's going to do. Nebraska's got to absolutely pound him. What happened when you, you blitz Dan Marino? Not saying Adrian's Dan Marino. Case in point, go back to a Monday nighter. 85 Bears are undefeated, greatest defense ever. What happens? They didn't change what they did. They didn't change who they are. They came after Marino. And, you know, Dan Marino, Mark Duper, Mark Clayton, just as an example, pounded that 85 Bears defense, put up about 40 points on him on a Monday night. Why? Because quick release, big play, live and die by aggressive play on defense. Nebraska's got a hammer Buffalo, where they either get out of being aggressive or if they're going to continue to be aggressive, you're going to torch them. You're absolutely going to torch them, and it's going to be up to your play calling. It's going to be up to your wide receivers getting free, and it's going to be up to Adrian being on target because you're going to have some sweet matchups or some ability uh, with the right play call in the teeth of a pressure that Buffalo is going to send at you. So that's that's part of the intrigue. I'm excited. I'm ex- I'm not, you know, I'll be in the air conditioning. <laughs> but I'm excited as all get out to see, you know, what Nebraska is week 3. You jump from one uh, week 1 to week 2 for your improvements. Well, Nebraska's not a finished product. Uh this can be a really good football team this year and it's it's in their control. It's in their control. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think Scott's pretty locked in. I think his assistants are pretty locked in. And I think Nebraska, Nebraska's learned enough lessons, honestly, by, by taking some teams lightly or taking their foot off the gas, that I don't think that will be an issue. It should not be an issue Saturday. There's a lot of things this team's trying to overcome. But I think just kind of rolling their helmet out and being overconfident, I think that's gone from their psyche, honestly. So what what is it? Are they are they better players than what than what a, a group of five team brings in? Are they a better team? Are they better coached? Are they well prepared? Are they just more physically dominant? We all think yes, it should it should be the answer because you're a Big Ten football team, but they'll get a chance to show it, and that's what I want to see. Yeah, and it, it comes down to Nebraska. Uh, learning from the mistakes they made against Illinois. I really agree with your point that you made a couple of minutes ago here. Uh, that was you Buffalo. sound surprised. It was, the, it was that Buffalo is just as good, if not better, than that Illinois team Nebraska played week one. I agree with that 100%. Uh, a a top-level MAC team uh, is just as good as those teams in the bottom half of the Big Ten. That That's what it is. Uh, so it comes down to has Nebraska learned from their mistakes? Has they cleaned up things through uh, really putting a beat down on a team like Fordham? Did they... Was that enough of a challenge for them to work through the mistakes they made and get better at those mistakes? Or are we going to see those same old problems? Because I mean, I think the number one concern is if Buffalo and their defense can win the turnover battle against Nebraska, it is danger time for Nebraska. Amen. And listen, you're gonna you're gonna have a turnover or two. I've come to expect it from no, this no, offense. No, you're, you're, <laughs> ju- you're just going to. <laughs> when do they happen? And what's the sudden change like? Do you get off the field? Does Nebraska get off the field? Yeah, they, they, they did against Fordham. Or they made Fordham pay with forcing their own turnover. You know, Nebraska is going to try and do that too. And what you can't have is you can't have a young group of Buffalo Bulls offensive linemen have a career day against 
arguably uh, a group of kids up front that are deep, are talented, and have been very good for you, right? It's not like Illinois ran all over them. No, Illinois just held on to the football. There's a couple of, of drives Nebraska didn't get off the field, and you didn't get any help from your offense, and it was too late if you did. So, listen, team ball game, special teams will be key. You can't have something stupid, right, like uh, a muffed punt, something like that. If you're going to have a turnover, God forbid you do, God forbid you do in the red zone, but midfield's not good. Your own territory's worse. But say there's an interception or a fumble on a guy trying to make a play. You can live with that if your defense can come back on the field and and get a turnover on downs or a or three and out. Brandon Vogel's next. Great to be with you at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Okay, NFL predictions sure to go wrong in 15 minutes. Who's going to the Super Bowl? Elijah's like, yes. Is he... It's like he's a Bond villain with this mustache he's growing. 100 on the Denver Broncos to the Super you Bowl, please. You are high. You are absolutely <laughs> high. We say hi to Brandon Vogel, Hale Varsity, Dot com and magazine managing editor, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Championship form last night at CHI, Nebraska over Creighton. Vogues, we'll get to some uh, football in a moment, but how impressive, uh, how impressed were you? Nebraska, very impressive against Creighton, but uh, was that something you were expecting from uh, Husker, Volley to, Husker Volleyball to come out and, and dominate like they did? No, I wasn't expecting that. Like, I. Nebraska's won every match in that in that series, and this seemed like one based on what we'd seen from both teams so far. That uh, Creighton <laughs> Creighton felt like a little bit of a favorite, you know, playing at home and just with what Nebraska. Now we knew they'd been experimenting with various lineups, et cetera. But last night was was a big message that I, I think they put a lot into that match, and it it showed. And defensively, if they can play that well defensively. Uh, you know, the ceiling's pretty high for this team. That's the case for most Nebraska teams, but last night certainly showed me something. They were incredible and pretty much set the tone with that first set. Uh, second set was a little tighter. Third set was was all Nebraska, you know, one by nine points. And Coach Cook got these, these uh, players' attention. And you want to talk about how remarkable he is. He's got the, the, the rings to prove it, Vogues. But, man, he knows how to button push, motivate, develop, and then let them go do their thing. I mean, it was, it was incredible uh, with, uh, with just how locked in he had him. Yes, it, it, he's, he's kind of a master at that. And, you know, coaches that win as much as he, do, he does across various sports tend to be pretty good. You know what? what your that particular team needs to hear at that particular time. Um, and it's, it, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, his, his post-game press conference last night, I thought was, I mean, you could kind of, he, he mentioned more than once or twice uh, just how good of a team Creighton was. And I think it was because, you know, it was one of those nights where every button you pushed had exactly the result that, that you hoped it could have. He knew that Nebraska played remarkably, remarkably well. Uh, in Omaha. 
Well, you have Nebraska doing their thing and uh, no rest for the weary. Of course, uh, they got Utah as, as well. And uh, as you kind of scan the Big Ten thus far before we get into conference play, I mean, Texas is te- Texas, but where's, where's Nebraska, I guess, right now in your eyes versus the rest of the Big Ten and then also Texas? I mean, are, is there a gap at all or are they kind of 1A, 1B? I I would still give Wisconsin the the a little bit of the benefit of the doubt just based on their their past two seasons, but I think I think Nebraska is pretty close. Um, you know, if they can play like they did against against Creighton, and this is you know a great stretch of games for them. Um, Utah comes to Lincoln, and then they'll go to Stanford, which Stanford hasn't quite been the same uh, since 2019, but still a, a storied program and, and really the program that's kind of up there in all these all-time records right with Nebraska. So you know what you're getting there. Um, the Big Ten, yeah, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Michigan's kind of been impressive uh, so far early this season and it's, it's going to be a, a tough league again um, but Nebraska I think I would put at, at that number two slot. Brandon Vogel's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogel's going to switch gears to football I need more info uh, on this corned beef edition of the I-80 preview podcast. You dive heavily into the Bulls. Yeah, they're um, an impressive program, which I think we all knew uh, coming in with just what Lance Leifold had been able to do there over the past four or five seasons. And then, you know, they they lose Leifold at the end of April, and I'm kind of like, well, you know, and this is what I would do for any program, Ohio State, anyone. It's like it's just hard. Like when you're when things are going that well for the next guy to come in and maintain it. And it's way too early to say that Maurice Linguist will do that. Um, there's not a ton I think you can take from from the win over Wagner. But listening to some of his interviews, both from this week and from over the off season, came away pretty impressed. I mean, I think that's uh, a program that's going to to have some success maintaining the culture that that was built there. And that's never a given. Uh, so that was kind of the most impressive thing to me about Buffalo. I think they'll play a lot the way they're built to, they were built to play under light bulb. And that presents some specific and interesting challenges for Nebraska too. But Brendan, still with, with the amount of talent that Buffalo lost, like what, what do you think the, uh, the, the skill level of this Buffalo team is? We were talking about it in the first segment, and Chris and I sort of thought that it's, uh, it's a team that's really um, being a top half of the, of the MAC team. It's a team that's kind of comparable to a, a lower-level Big Ten team. Would you say that's fair, or do we even really know, considering they've only played one game? It's, it's pretty early, but I, will be, I would be very surprised if we get to the end of the year and we don't look at, you know, whichever – power ratings you you prefer like I, th- I think Buffalo's better than Illinois and, and we know how the Illinois game went for Nebraska granted it was on the road um this one's at home which which should be worth something um hopefully that was kind of an emphasis point for for coach Frost and the team over the offseason but yeah and, and Buffalo's built like a lot of Big Ten teams the way that they play they seem to have and this you know predate predates even Leipold, they kind of seem to have a never-ending supply of, of good running backs, and, and that's the case again on Saturday. Kevin Marks was their one B back last year. He's their top guy now, but got another running back in, in Cook who had a really good game in, in the opener. They've got a quarterback that I think is perfect for, for their system, 
And then you look at their pass rush, and, and they've always had guys that are good, too, uh, on that front. I think I saw a tweet earlier today. Um, Buffalo has 10 guys on NFL rosters to, to open this season. So that's, that's a pretty high level for, for a MAC team. So in terms of facing a team from that league, it's tough to get much better than Buffalo at the moment. Brandon Vogels with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. The the aggressiveness is is a double-edged sword. It can, and you've seen Nebraska too many times get hit on third and name the name the distance for a strip sack or a fumble, or worse, a scoop and a score. Right. So uh, if Nebraska gets caught, there's no protection. It could be a momentum game-changing play. The other side of that is you can live and die by that blitz. And in Nebraska, they had a lot of big plays last week. Could you see Nebraska's offense really open up here this Saturday as a response to this this pressure, this let's send the kitchen sink? I, I think that's the key when, when Nebraska has the ball. And and we'll see. I mean, Buffalo Buffalo was 10th in sack rate in 2020, and that was without um, perhaps their best pass rusher, yeah, who Riggins. is available. Riggins, who is available this year. Um, and, and we saw Nebraska really struggle with, with pass protection against Illinois. And, you know, the, the book from that game was, well, get a little exotic with your blitzes and mix things up. And and just ask Nebraska to handle it. So I, I you know, mentioned this on the on the podcast. I preview. I, I'm going to be closely watching that sack total. Um, and if it starts to get above two, like particularly early, um, it, it's probably an indication of problems. Because as you were talking about, with with that much kind of pressure that they tend to put on quarterbacks or have in the past. They were a little bit susceptible to to the big passing plays uh, last year. It was kind of the one weakness of a pretty good all around defense, and I, I think Nebraska will be able to to get receivers open. It's a matter of how much time does Adrian Martinez have to to sit back there, assess things, and and make a good throw. Brandon Vogel, I, I want you to uh, to fill in the blank for me. And that's Nebraska will win this game on Saturday because. Uh, and then I also want you to fill in Nebraska will lose this game on Saturday because um, Nebraska will that's, that's, a, that's a good one Nebraska will win this game <laughs> if Adrian Martinez's rush attempts time through rush attempts not sacks are in the 12 to 14 range because I think that's a good sign of Nebraska had enough success running the ball. It got enough time in the passing game to sit back there and, and hit some big throws there. It's kind of that number has become an overall check for me on, on how efficiently the offense is or isn't uh, operating. Nebraska will lose this game if it doesn't hold, te- doesn't hold Buffalo to less than five and a half yards of carry on first down because that's what the Huskers are giving up right now. Uh, and against a team like this that ran at 65% of the time last year, if you're allowing them to get into second and fours and second and fives consistently, they don't really have to put the ball at hazard a ton. That's, that's how this program has been most comfortable is keeping things on the ground, and they're very good at it. I mean, they ran the ball 65% of the time and averaged 43 points a year ago. That's some uh, pretty efficient run game. Vogues, last thought, are, are you anticipating Nebraska's offensive line to, to be able to 
get some push, hold their blocks. I know that's going to be how they win. They need the run game to complement the passing so you're not one-dimensional and you're not just, again, Adrian for 17 totes like you were touching on. But is this whole line going to morph into what we thought they were going to be or is it just false advertising? I think they, I think they could be, and I think they've got a shot to do that. Uh, the interesting thing will be is, and we know kind of the X's and O's chess match for, for that opener uh, didn't go in Nebraska's favor. Like, they got away from it pretty early. And, and if you add the Fordham game into it, you know, things were kind of up in the air early in that game too. This might be an offensive line that as a young group where you just kind of have to pound your fist against the wall a little bit and, and take a little bit less success early on and hope it's a group that kind of has to work itself into a game. I mean, everyone wants a team that comes out and zips down the field on the first drive, and you just kind of exert your will from there. I don't know, based on Nebraska's experience, if they're they're ready to be that yet. So that'll be another real interesting one, is if those runs in the first quarter aren't having the kind of success that, that Nebraska fans hope, are the Huskers willing to stick with it? Uh, because the best way to uh, – exacerbate an already dangerous pass rush is to, to be behind the chains a lot. That that would be a problem for the Oscars. Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine, the I-80 preview podcast. Be sure to subscribe to it, HaleVarsity.com, the Heard at Media platform, and uh, great stuff and preview from Vogue's there. Of course, his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogue's will talk Saturday. Thanks so much. Sounds good, thanks. All right, Brandon Vogel there. We'll talk some NFL on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Brandon Vogel. Podcast with his I-80 preview. Our podcast, Hale Varsity Radio, a daily show that's also there for you on your terms. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating, good, bad, ugly. And we get some emails, and we love our emails. We love folks chiming in. And there's been a lot of reaction to some of our guests who may not be so glowing or, dare I say, optimistic about Nebraska. And and sometimes we've been accused of being too negative, and we don't have a dog in the fight. We just kind of call it like we see it. And uh, some folks were a little wowed by Shuey. And I'm like, no one knows Scott like Shuey. <laughs> so uh, Shuey was just he, – he is the voice – of a lot of Nebraska fans right now that just want to see better ball. And it isn't about going 13-0, and all right, or even winning a West division. It's just good, clean, competent football. Well, And we say in the intro of this show, this is the voice of Husker Nations. And like whenever we're – it's before week one, we're saying, ah, yeah, we think Nebraska's got a good shot to be Illinois. Then this we're going yeah, to email in saying, uh, yeah, we're gonna emails in saying like – Oh, have you guys seen what's happened the past three years? We have. Yes. It's all a projection. Exactly. And it's either uh, where Schmitty and Elijah were right or where Schmitty and Elijah were wrong. And damn it, we were wrong on on the, the roadie to Illinois. We were. We'll have our predictions tomorrow from the single barrel inside the graduate four to six road show please join us come on down they have over 250 whiskeys to choose from whiskey ain't your thing they got a cold beer for you they got an iced tea they've got a soda but i know you're a steak fan i know you like you some pork chops i know you're all about a i'm a wedge salad guy 
<laughs> you know, I could tell myself, well, it's a salad. <laughs> a little extra uh, blue cheese and bacon, please. But come <laughs> see us at the Single Barrel inside The Graduate. We're there every home football Friday, 4 to 6. Uh, getting our uh, our dear friend uh, Joel Makovica lined up for a future show, which is good. And, uh, of course, uh, Greg Smith on site tomorrow. Uh, so excited about that. Are, are, are you working, calling a game, running the game tomorrow night? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to say, steak and a beer, you owe me a few. <laughs> so I was going to invite you, know, you I, down. I, I, got my Friday, I got my Friday night off. Boom. All right. Well, there we go. You know who's probably working late Friday night? Nick Saban. Mm. Nick Saban is working late Friday night because he still hates his football team. Okay, I think several years ago, um, it was the sixth or seventh game of the year. Um, we just beat Texas A&M, and people started talking about our team. And I had to bring everyone's attention to um, what I referred to as rat poison. All right, so now we basically played one half of one game. All right, we went ahead 27 nothing in the game. Um, and then it was basically 17-16 after that with two stops inside the five-yard line. And, um, you know, so we didn't maintain our intensity in the game. So we were affected by the scoreboard. So we haven't proven that we can play for 60 minutes. Um, then we come out on Monday and really not ready to practice. Uh, I guess because of respect we have for the opponent, I don't really know all that. Or maybe it's what they read on social media or in the media or whatever after one half of a game this season. And, um, you know, then it was hot yesterday. So, you know, so we got every external factor in the world uh, that is affecting our ability to maintain intensity uh, and play the way we need to play and practice the way we need to practice to improve. Uh, we got the scoreboard affects us, uh, who we're playing affects us, uh, the heat affects us, the media and what you guys write every day affects us. So, you know, to me, we got to prove uh, that we can play and maintain intensity for 60 minutes in the game, execute, do our job, play hard, finish games, finish plays, do things the way we're supposed to do it. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about being able to play uh, at home this so, you have Rad Poison, part two, Nick Saban, talking to his team through the media, telling his team, I, I hate you. You only played half a game. You still smoked the U, and it was tight third and fourth quarter. They have listened. And then the way he went in on, well, it was hot Monday. And he, he imagine like the unfiltered version of St. Nick. Just losing it on his guys. Just his expression. He is so and good on him. He is so fearful of complacency. It doesn't exist. The guy takes three days off a year to probably go fish or boat. And then it's recruiting. I mean, there is zero, 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 zero rest. And he's getting guys developed at the highest level in college football. And oh, by the way, they're coming in better than most. 17 or 18 year olds i mean his new quarterback looks incredible and he's a guy making changes to a program when he's going 12 and 1 just like to made a change to his program 
in the early uh, 80s, late 70s, early 80s to go to the option when they're going 10 and 2. Or when they're going 9 and 3, 10 and 2, they're changing the defense up. The greats make the switch even though they're still having success. They're going from really good to, to greatness, right? And then and, and you saw those that that payoff, right, for, for both for both programs. So Saban hates his team. Maybe he'll feel better about him after Saturday. So NFL is here. And you know, you have this you have the, the new um, eighteen games on the docket. You got a lot of ball games in action. I've got a few games circled. I mean, you've got Pittsburgh and the Bills. We'll get Searle's take on his Bills uh, this year. Also, Washington. I think the Washington football team Chargers is a delicious game. The pillow fight Sunday will be Jacksonville and, and the Texans. But it, it may be so ugly it's pretty. Cleveland and Kansas City is awesome. That is going to be a great game down at Arrowhead. Uh, you have Denver at New York. Uh, we'll see how uh, Elijah is on Monday after his donks hit the road. Green Bay at New Orleans, a new era in uh, the, uh, the the Bayou. Time for famous Jameis. Yeah, right. Uh, just make sure he throws it to the right hey, team. Freshly LASIK surgeried. Right. Yeah. Ba- yeah. Yeah. Baltimore, Vegas for Monday night. Seattle, Indy. That could be interesting. Tennessee and Arizona, San Fran, Detroit, Minnesota, Cincinnati. So the the sad news about Cincinnati is there was a giraffe named after Joe Burrow at the Cincinnati Zoo. That giraffe has died. I hope that's not an omen because I'm a big Joe Burrow guy. Uh, who is winning? Who's going playoff bound? Buffalo is going to win the division. Shocker there. Uh, I think Cleveland wins their division. I think Baltimore wins their division. But I think Cleveland's back in the playoffs. Tennessee's kind of my favorite uh, in the uh, AFC South. And in the West, I think you're going to get Kansas City, and I think the Chargers get into the playoffs as well. Oh, dude, don't give me that. You've got Teddy. Check down Teddy or a Missouri quarterback to lean on. It's going to be about your defense. Defense can your defense can get you to some. Not you're not going to be out of it in November. This this is the most weapons Teddy Bridgewater's had since Minnesota. That's fine, but it's still Teddy. They thought he was the quarterback of the future in Minnesota, when he had and weapons. then he got hurt. Yeah. Who do you like out of the NFC East? Washington. No. No. The, the NFC East is going to be the the bottom feeder of NFL yet again this year. Give me Green Bay and Minnesota, both playoff bound. Tampa. I think Tampa and, and Tampa's about it. You got a great division in the West. We make our picks next. Double espresso for Matt. Large ice mocha for Greg. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Gary Barnett's 10 minutes away. Hale Varsity Radio Thursday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, we'll get our NFL picks in right now. So when it comes to division winners, yes, I've got... Baltimore and Buffalo and Tennessee and Kansas City going to get an extra wild card team in because uh, more is better. Give me Cleveland. I don't know that I like anyone else out of the uh, AFC East. I mean, do I go New England or Miami? Hart says Miami, right? I don't think so. I think you got to look at two out of the AFC West. The AFC West should be a good division for football this year. Right, so give me give me Chargers and 
Give me Vegas over Denver. Okay, I'll I'll let you have that. I'll let you have that. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, because uh, well, well, one- you're almost looking at the uh, the AFC North. There should be a, a wild card team out of the AFC North. Well, Cleveland. I think Cleveland, yeah. I, well, personally, I think that uh, the Ravens Cleveland. are the wildcard team, and Cleveland takes the division. Okay, that's where you're going. That's where I'm going. All right. Uh, when it comes to the East, I'm going to go with Washington. Uh, when it comes to the the the, the, uh, the North, give me Green Bay as your division winner, Minnesota as your wild card. Uh, I like Tampa. Really, that's about it out of the South. And then, can I take three out of the West? No, because you already have two wild card teams, I think, don't you? Well, I have no. I don't have a wild card out of the East. I don't have a wild card. I have one wild card out of the North. Okay, yeah, yeah. So then you can take two out of the West. Yeah. So give me. I think Seattle gets in. I think Arizona and San Francisco. I think all four should get in. They they won't, can't. But give me the Rams to win it. Give me uh, San Fran to finish second. I think Arizona's right there, but I think Seattle edges them out. Uh, when it comes to AFC Championship, Kansas City goes back to the Super Bowl. Now does Tampa. I think you get a rematch of last year's Super Bowl. Sorry. And I think Kansas City wins this time. Over Tampa. Okay, I don't think I have Tampa make. I can always see the Chiefs making it. Uh, I don't have Tampa making it from the NFC, though. I, I think Green Bay makes it. I think Aaron Rodgers really? is last two rounds as, as much as he hates his head coach and the GM... He may, uh, you know, oops, I shot my pinky toe off with a BB gun. I, I got Green Bay going to the I, Super Bowl. I, I've always the, picked Green Bay. But they just, there's too much venom for, for that type of swan song, isn't there? Or is it the perfect fairy tale? Perf- I think perfect fairy tale. And it, I, I think Green Bay is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. That's that's it. I mean, it's going to be Tampa Green Bay for the NFC Championship again. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Uh, you could also make an argument uh, for that Cardinals team, but I, I don't think they're there yet. I don't think Kyler Murray is there yet. Uh, so I'm looking out of the AFC. Uh, Chiefs most likely going to be the Super Bowl team, but mm-hmm. I also wouldn't discount um, the Browns and Titans, two teams that have been down their luck for a long time. Uh, I, I would like. I think it's going to be one of those two teams in the AFC Championship game, whether it's the Browns and the Titans against the Chiefs. Well, you had, you had Cleveland get there last year, mm-hmm. and just couldn't couldn't smack couldn't match up you know, with with Baltimore and their running back situation, kind of a mess. Uh, getting Le'Veon Bell was sneaky, sneaky good. Because he's got something to prove, and you know he's going to ball out twice against Pittsburgh. Well, he's had something to prove for the last three years, though. Yeah, but this is a good situation. I mean, running backs have been successful, and you got him and Lamar as a dual threat, right? Reminder, 70% 70 of people are in fatal crashes in Nebraska. They don't wear seatbelts if used properly. Seatbelts can and will reduce risk of fatal injury. injury. Your best uh, defense is... Buckling up, this message brought to you rather poorly on my end by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. 
Uh, we'll hear from Jeremiah Searles coming up here. Former Husker standout and NFL or his take on the Big Red against Buffalo. We welcome in the Hall of Fame coach with Northwestern and Colorado, Gary Barnett with us. Coach, how was the golf today? Uh, you know what, Chris? I took a day off and just read. So I uh, got some minutia things done, but did a lot of reading. So okay. need a day off every once in a while. Well, that's understandable. I mean, most of the time, the, the days end in Y, right? And you're, uh, you're out right. there making it happen on the course. So good. Actually, the course is closed. The course is closed, so that's why I didn't play. But <laughs> the other sounded better. No, I know. You just, I needed, you needed some me time, and it was time to read, right? Uh, well, good for you. I want to get into to week one last week, and you had some impressive showings. I think. Uh, what uh, Iowa did to Indiana, I think of what uh, Alabama did to to Miami. Now, Nick Saban's not impressed. <laughs> He's all sorts of PO'd this week with his press conference. Oklahoma scared by Tulane, a defensive uh, slugfest with Georgia and Clemson. I got to ask you, did you ever, at least from a perception standpoint, the, the world's patting you on the back because you throttled somebody, but were you ever ticked off after a uh, – what was perceived as a big win or a sound win as a coach? Well, I, I don't know that I was ever ticked off. I could always enjoy, uh, you know, winning's too hard. Um, you know, especially some of the programs that I was uh, mm-hmm. b- trying to build or, or uh, that was around. So winning's it's a hard feat unless you're just in the right place all the time. But it's hard, and I think you need to take time and appreciate it, and then you've got to also take time to see what you can do to get better and how you can get better. And it's a lot more fun trying to get better after you win than after you lose. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that I, I ever recall being, uh, you know, as upset or, you know, Nick's talking to his team. He's yes. not he's not talking to the media. So he, he just doesn't want them to, to bite on that poison as he talks about it and, uh, and I get it I really do and I his approach has worked and it it does work and for him that's the best way to do it did you uh have a different word or or name for what he calls rap poison getting a little fat and happy uh I'd have to think about that Chris I don't remember having having a word um oh. I just, you know, I know, you know, like every coach, you sit there and say, okay, these guys are the same guys that wrote bad things about you two weeks ago, and now they're writing good things. And much like what Nick said in his statement, he says, who are you going to listen to? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I'm in this with you. They're out here just to watch you and uh, make an evaluation. So, um, you know, we're in this together. Let's listen to each other was sort of my approach. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Did you uh, have a chance to see much in Nebraska? If so, did you take anything away against Fordham? You know, I only saw a little bit of the Nebraska game. Uh, you know, I think they, uh, you know, Fordham played hard. You know, I mean, the first two quarters, they, what, 220 yards or something in the in the first two quarters against uh, Nebraska. I mean, they just they played hard. And one kid had 30 tackles or something yeah, like that. Won. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. But you know, in the end, it ended up the way it was supposed to end up. And um, 
you know, that's what generally happens in these games, Chris, is people feel themselves out. The other team is playing like crazy. And, you know, it takes you a while to settle in, and then you settle in, and the guys that are supposed to win, win. And that's pretty much what happened there. And, uh, you know, I the, the little that I saw was just uh, some great catches by by the, the transfer you know that from uh, from Montana to Montana, right? yeah, yeah Tory, and so uh, he looked really good. You know, still two turnovers, and you don't ever like to see that. But you know, I, I look as I watched the little bit that I did, it just looked like it. Eventually, just Nebraska took over and, and, and did what they were supposed to do. Coach, going to switch gears to Buffalo. We'll, we'll go around the slate, and of course, a big game in Boulder this weekend as well with A and M coming to town, but. What do you know and what are your thoughts on Buffalo? What's your early read on, on this this matchup for Nebraska uh, with Buffalo coming in? Really a well-built program by Coach Leopold who's not down at KU, but Linguist comes in and, and he's a young, energetic guy and he's done well at several programs. Well, Buffalo has good players, I can tell you that. And uh, when Lance was there, they were extremely well coached. I don't know yet about Linquist, but um, when when Leipold was there, they were well coached, and and uh, you you guys found that out last year. But it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be a tough game. It's it's tougher game than anybody's going to want, and Nebraska's going to have to play really well to win this game. And I I know what the spread's about thirteen or fourteen something mm-hmm. like that, and um, you know that's. That's the way it should be, but you got to go out and play it that way. So, um, you know, and if you, if you turn the ball over, it's not going to happen. But this is going to be a this is a you know this is going to be a tough game. And and really, you know, if you're Buffalo and you go, you know, if this game's uh, if, if we're under 13 or 12 points, it's a pretty good game. And those guys get hot, and anything can happen. But turnovers are what'll get you in this game. Well, and, and that is a thing that's always bit Nebraska has been the turnovers. I know how aggressive Buffalo's defense is. And uh, does Nebraska need a four-quarter game? Just kind of looking at how things have gone with this program. There's been a lot of tight ball games, and it's always been another team making a play, but it's been more so Nebraska not taking care of the football. Yeah, they, they need a four-quarter game. <clears throat> There's no question. And I think it's going to be a, it's going to take a four-quarter game to win this thing. Um, it's, you know, it, Nebraska's already established that it's not that much better than anybody right now. And so everybody you play is going to feel like they have a chance. And when they have that kind of attitude coming into your game, I mean, uh, I mean, everybody always has a chance. But, but it, it's a better chance than that now because – uh, you, you know, you can look at film and say Nebraska will give this ball back to us, and um, you just got to keep playing hard. So I think every game they play is going to be a tough game. Coach, with Oklahoma on the schedule next week, are, are you worried about Nebraska overlooking this whenever you consider the the type of teams that have come into Memorial Stadium and beat them over the past couple of years? Would you be worried as a coach that the that the Nebraska team is going to be overlooking Buffalo? You know, after you lose to Illinois. Uh, I don't think you, you you have the luxury of overlooking anybody. And so uh, I, I think that 
I don't think there's any way those players at this point in time are going to overlook anybody that they're going to play, especially a, a pretty well-respected opponent like Buffalo. So I think as a fan that that's easy to do, but I don't think as a player or coach that that's even a possibility. I, I don't really want to go here, but what about Buffalo overlooking Nebraska because Coastal <laughs> Carolina's on deck, Coach? <laughs> well... You're going to have to deal with that one there, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm moving away from that one. Gary Barnett's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. What's your take on Sparty? Uh, They they looked pretty impressive against Northwestern. Uh, You know, the the running back from Wake Forest had a great game. You know, Northwestern changes coordinators. Uh, They lose two first-round draft choices. That's that's uncommon for them to have two first-round draft choices. They lost a lot. Uh, offensively, they're struggling. They struggled with that quarterback two years ago. And uh, to me, that was not an unpredicted game to have it go like that. Um, so I think, I think Sparty's better. 17 transfers helps. They're better, and I think Northwestern's going to struggle all year. What about Clemson? Uh, are they they just run into a, a buzzsaw in Georgia, or is Clemson maybe not what they've been? Well, I, I think they ran into a buzzsaw. That was one unbelievable defensive performance. But at the same time, there wasn't anything in that Clemson side of the ball, uh, especially the offensive side, that gave you a lot of confidence that, that they're going to be a, a, a fast strike um, uh, great offense again. I mean, I, I watched that game and they struggled. They struggled up front. The quarterback struggled from the get-go. Um, you know, they lost one of their receivers for the year. They lost a safety for the year. Uh, but there wasn't anything in that game. I mean, Georgia was never even threatened by the Clemson offense. So, um, you, you know, that one looks like, uh, you know, there could be some changes coming down there. Let's go to Ohio State. I mean, that was uh, a tight ball game. It sucks for Minnesota that uh, Ibrahim uh, got got his Achilles popped. And, man, Minnesota's just so scrappy, and I mean that as a compliment. But Ohio State really just was incredible with some big plays a week ago. Now Oregon comes in. Do you have a, an early feel on Ohio State? Are they, again, a, a, a wow factor team that, that could be a playoff team? They're supposed to be, but... What that first game? What that? What's that first impression like for you for the Buckeyes with Oregon coming in? Well, I'm not ready to commit to a wild kind of team, but I'm I'm ready to commit that they got a lot of players on that offense that can play. You know, I thought they struggled on defense against a, a pretty good offensive group. I mean, Morgan at quarterback, and uh, they were without their best receiver as well, and Ibrahim just ran right through them. Uh, but to me, that defense is suspect. Offensively, it looks like they're going to have a lot of firepower and be able to do a lot of things, but I'm not sure they're a wild team. Coach, it feels like in the modern college football game, uh, you can go as far as your quarterback can take you, and I wasn't all that uh, impressed with C.J. Stroud's performance. I know it was his first game, um, but where I was impressed at quarterback this week was down at Ole Miss. Matt Corral, he had a great game against Louisville. Uh, are you buying the hype on Kiffin and what he's built out there at Ole Miss? Are they a team that could be you know, putting a scare into the Georgias and Alabamas of the world this year? 
Well, I think they are. I am buying it because I watched them last year, and I, they were fun to watch on offense. They were just – you had to turn your head when they went on defense. <laughs> but uh, it looks as though they've – you know, they played really well defensively. Now, Louisville was not very good. And you got to take a little bit of that with a grain of salt because they were not very good at all. But but uh, Corral is a great player, and um, you know all all the the pundits have talked about him and rated him really high. I agree with him, and he he was that way last year. So yeah, I think they've got a really good football team. That that program and where it is and the history in that program is is such that it can be. It can be an LSU type of program year in, year out. Gary Barnett's with us. A couple of minutes here. Hail Varsity Radio. Coach, a thought with Iowa, Iowa State this weekend. Gosh, you know, I watched both those games, and I just can't imagine that I that that uh, Iowa State's favored in this game. I know it's at home, but, uh, you know, they have yet to beat Iowa. Campbell has yet to beat Iowa, and, and – uh, I don't know. I thought Iowa looked really good. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, it's hard for me not to pick Iowa and take the points in this game. I don't know how you do it. No, Iowa looked great. They've got momentum. They trounced a really good or a supposed good Indiana team. So what are you looking at here uh, Saturday in Boulder as, as Jimbo and company roll in? Well, I think uh, A&M is a legitimate potential playoff team. Um, the quarterback is is going to be special before it's all over. And, um, you know, he can run. He can run as well as he throws. They're a, they've, they've got, you know, they've got players. Their defense is just sensational. And um, so I, it's they're really good. I think Colorado um, survived. I mean, they had to – you know, they were playing a team they haven't seen, had no film on, et cetera, and they had to adjust a little bit. Quarterback struggled a little bit for Colorado. Missed a lot of open receivers. I, when I say missed them, he didn't even see them, so he didn't throw them the ball. But that, that's that got to get better. This this is a 17-point spread in this game. I think it might be a little high because Colorado's defense is pretty decent, but it's probably pretty close to it. I You know, I, I think 14 points is a little better on the spread, but – um, it, you know we've we've got them here and we've got them at altitude, and that's if you if altitude's going to make a difference, it'll make a difference early in the season, not late. So maybe that'll help. Coach, about a minute here. When it comes to to facing aggressive defenses, that's what Nebraska will see with the Bulls. Were there uh, some pet plays you had to, to take the top off? You know, live by the sword, die by the sword against that blitz. Well, yeah, you, you've got to find a way to get max protection and get a couple throws. And the other thing, you just you just screen them to death. You know, it's screening draws. It just usually makes those defenses have to settle down and get back to the line of scrimmage. But you know, and there's a lot of different screens out there that everybody's using. But but uh, you know, that's I would go in and initially thinking in that direction and have myself a couple ways that I can max protect and get the ball thrown down the field, knowing that I was going to get one-on-one coverage. Maybe a swing pass? No, just <laughs> – no, no swing no, passes. No, I didn't have any swing pass. Unless it's – you know, if they're not going to cover him, it's, it's always fine to get one out there uh, and involve your backs, but uh, you're going to need protection as much as anything. We'll see how it shakes out. Coach, have a great call Saturday, okay? 
Will do it. Thanks, Chris. Take Great care, being with you guys. All right, there he is, Gary Barnett, with us on Hale Varsity Radio. <laughs> Waiting for him to go off on the swing pass, but you know those buff backs were always open. Jeremiah Searles, our favorite Husker NFLer, coming up. Get his take on the Big Red O line next. And we're back, fellas. Think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Back into it. Good stuff from Gary Barnett. We turn our attention to our favorite Husker NFLer on the O line. Great stuff with the uh, Vikings, the Bills, the Chargers, and, of course, Nebraska football. You'll hear him on the sideline when it's going to be 4,000 degrees. Searles, are you going with the bro tank on Saturday? How are you? Dude, if I could go shirtless, I would. <laughs> Golly, dude. It's, the last week was just a tease. Beautiful opening day at Memorial Stadium, and now it's just like burn. So, question, how many ones would people throw at you? Not many. Probably more of a someone get that man out of here. <laughs> Here's a hundred. Put a shirt back on. One of them. Yeah, basically. So you, you do what you want. All right, Searles. You, you, you just be comfortable on that sideline with the updates and the reports. What do you anticipate reporting Saturday? Wow, that you offensive know, line looks blank, blank, blank. Good or, oh, man, Buffalo's pressure's getting. What's your take on things? You know, the more I've watched the tape, so I've watched the Wagner game back twice now for Buffalo. First of all, Wagner might be the worst football team I've ever seen. Now, (laughs) secondly, I think that there's some playmakers on this Buffalo defense, especially Riggins on the outside. He's a good guy that can get some sacks. But overall, I think we should be able to run the football on these guys because they're very vanilla in their scheme. You know where they're going to line up. They have certain tendencies that even a washed-up has been like myself can identify. So I know the coaching staff has identified I'd like to see this be a simple game plan, but an effective game plan mean that offensive line just physically takes over. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio at Searles 71 underscore HSKR. You hear him sidelines with Nebraska football. So just run at him, get after it. So you had to like second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. What, what combos or, or faces have you seen that got in last week that you think may have some upside on that O-line? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Trent Hickson played a phenomenal game when he came in as a backup center. That's a guy that got kind of thrown into the fire before he was ready in 2019, uh, 2018, I think it was, 19, 19, and uh, struggled, and then he's kind of really learned how to respond and be able to learn and grow, and he didn't just hit the eject button like a lot of guys do and, and transfer. I thought he played really well at center. And then you go outside and Prochaska is a guy that, like, my goodness, he can't. You can't miss him. The dude's enormous, but he has a ton of upside. And, I mean, I think we'll see him on the field sooner rather than later, probably next year would be my guess that they're going to try to find a place for him if he can keep developing. And then uh, Nori, too. Nori, Nori, the transfer from uh, Colorado State, really did some nice things. So there's some good depth being built behind this already young offensive line. And so there'll be some really good competition battles going through here for the next few years, which competition breeds greatness. I've always said it. So it's really exciting for me to see some depth finally on this offensive line. Searles, what about the starters? Uh, How is the left side rounding into form and some impressions with uh, the the guard spots? And also uh, when we talk about uh, the left side, uh, you you look at at how um, 
things are, are working out here for Nebraska with their two tackles. Because I know Banks got the start uh, against the, the Illini, but uh, that, that, that wasn't the case on Saturday with Nebraska kind of going back to the five we thought that we'd see. Yeah, I think Banks got the start against the Illini because he really took all the reps during the training camp. And that's kind of more of a principal thing of, hey, Turner, we know you're a great player. You're going to be a really good player for us. But if you don't earn it during training camp, you don't just get out there and get to start. And they saw some rotation. And Banks took a couple lumps early in that game in the Illinois game. But I think Turner came in and played solid. He played solid again this week. And I think that it's going to be a really good thing for them on the left side there. Piper's got to get his eye discipline down when he's pulling. And in his past game, you can tell. He's just not he's, he's not looking in the right spot, which can be tough at times. But he's an explosive kid that he can do a lot of good things in the run game, his double teams, his single blocks. When he has the right footwork and he really gets going off the ball, he's a super explosive kid. So he's a guy that we're really going to need to come down the stretch here. But I think that that left side's still trying to kind of find their, their form because, again, with Turner not practicing, you don't get those reps together the feels on how you're supposed to fit in on front side, back side, double teams, or how you're supposed to pass off stunts in the past game. So there's still some growing pains going there, but really there's growing pains along that whole offensive line, which is to be expected. You're going to take two, three games of different game plans, different fronts, different guys to really start finding that groove. It's easy in camp. You play the same guys every week. You play the same guys every day. You play the same scheme every day. It starts when you can start finding different things and how guys adjust and how guys learn and how they adapt on the fly until you really start hitting your full stride as an offensive line. Jeremiah, you mentioned that you were watching the film of, of Buffalo uh, twice already. And I just want to ask, with, with Nebraska's offensive line now getting a game where they can watch this year's film against a, a Buffalo team, I mean, they didn't have any film from this year on Fordham or on Illinois, how helpful can that be for an offensive line to, to find their stride and look good early in a game? I just feel that to see the film of how the defense is most likely going to be coming out. It's so helpful. When you're an offensive lineman, you don't want to have to think a whole lot. I mean, you want to just be able to go out there, cut it loose, play fast, play physical, know the mic points, know everything because you practice against it all week. And what happened against Illinois is I think we got a little shell-shocked. I mean, Scott mentioned it, that they came out with something different, and all of a sudden we're thinking a lot. And when offensive lines think a lot, they play kind of timid, they play a little slower, they let the fight come to them a little more than taking the fight to the defense. And it's hard because you're thinking you're almost chasing ghosts is what we say is what we used to call it is because you're thinking maybe something's there maybe it's not a set hut and then you're kind of slow and all of a sudden they beat you with just a vanilla look and so i think it's really important that throughout the week as you study tape you look at tendencies you look at how they line up against certain formations you look at how they play certain blocks that you just study that up so that when it's game time and when it's going, you're not thinking about any of that. You're just thinking about executing the play that's called, executing the technique that you need to use and finishing. I mean, execution, finish, and I mean, no mental errors are really what you get graded on as an offensive lineman. You want to grade out high on all those. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Searles, what, what does this team need on Saturday? Come out and, and annihilate, or is it okay to have a four-quarter game? You know, I'd like to see this team come out and start faster than they did against Fordham. I think that fast, good teams start fast. They go out and they find a way to get up on their opponents and put themselves in the tempo dictation mode and not fall behind and have to kind of play catch-up. I think this is a game that if we come out and we start fast, a couple three and outs, we go down and score, we get up 10, we get up 13, 14 on this team, then I can see this being a game that we take very much control over and it's okay to say, hey, we beat this team. I'm not, we're not going to blow them out by Fordham by like, any means, but I think this is a game we can control and win. 
flip that on the other side, Buffalo gets out and gets a hot start and really we don't smother them from the go, this could turn into a four-quarter battle because there's a lot of veterans on this team that know how to win. Buffalo's had some really successful seasons the last few years, and so there's a lot of players that understand what it's like to win and how fun it is to win and what it takes to win. And so I think that they're going to come out, they're going to play super hard. And again, it's like Fordham, they're playing in one of the biggest stadiums they might have ever played in on a big game for a lot of these uh, players. So it's definitely going to be the first quarter is going to dictate a lot of how this game's going to go because I really think Nebraska can out-physical them and get up on them. But also Buffalo's talented enough to hang there with us if we let them. Searles, a thought as to why. Why, why do you think Nebraska's been slow uh, out of the gate, I know the Illinois answer, un- uncertainty, unfamiliarity, but against Fordham, why do you think it was slow? You know, I don't know, and I've been I've been asking myself that as well. I mean, I, it's a lot of emotion going into that game, a lot of want to, and I think that my only expe- explanation that I can come up with is there was almost, they revved themselves too much that they weren't letting the game come to them. They were trying to force it because there was so much energy in that stadium fans back, first home opener, wanting to get the taste of the bad loss out of their mouths. There's just a lot of stuff that you can almost play with too much energy and too much emotion where you lack execution. And I think that there was a little bit of that. And then once we settled in and everyone started letting the game just come to them and everyone just settled in, did their job, not try and do too much, then you saw us start just taking over because of physically how much better we were than that team. So I think that if we just come out and understand, hey, play with energy, play with fire, play with passion – play inside the game, play within your job, and everyone does that, all 11 guys at one time, then we should be just fine and we should start fast because when you execute, things, good things tend to happen. I want to get your take on the quarterback O-line relationship. And I know Adrian was going to chat with his O-line and Greg Austin was like, look, we're going to get some things corrected and then, then go ahead and unleash if you're going to unleash. How did you take that? You, you played with Taylor, you played with Tommy. And uh, you had, uh, I think, a great working and then friendly relationship with both. But, you know, what's that dynamic like and how should it be, in your opinion, between quarterback and a line of quarterbacks running for his life? Is it okay for the quarterback to pipe up? Absolutely, it's okay. And I think that you, you want that from your quarterback. You want, you want, as an offensive line, want to hold your quarterback to a high standard. And you want your quarterback to hold the offensive line to a high standard. Because you two are really what makes everything go. You can't, one cannot coexist without, one cannot exist without the other. You have to coexist in really a big way. And so if you think that as an offensive lineman, you can go up to your quarterback, it's not about mother effing each other and getting after each other, but it's about constructively talking like, hey, that's not good enough. Or I know you can do better. I expect more from you, but that comes from a healthy respect. And you see how much his teammates and Adrian's, Adrian's teammates really respect him, especially with guys like Cam Jurgens, who is his center for the majority of his career. I mean, they've built a really good relationship where I'm sure that they've, they've had heated conversations, but they're always meant to build each other up, to help with the next best thing. And so I really think that that's okay to get after each other because that just means you demand more out of each other and you expect each other to be great. Jeremy, I've got time for probably one, maybe two last thoughts here, about 90 seconds. Uh, who do you expect is going to be that running back getting the majority of the carries uh, on Saturday? I mean, Marquis Stepp had a good performance against Fordham, but I think this coaching staff is still high on a couple guys in that running back room. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going off of immediate reaction, I think Marquis Stepp's got to be the guy that takes the first handoff. He's shown the most through these first two games. You've really been looking for someone to emerge, and if you want to say out of those three guys of Irvin, uh, Morrison, 
and steps steps really taking the next jump i think it's because he has that experience but if they want to keep building for the future they're going to stick with gabe urban and they're going to stick with Savion morrison because those guys are the future of the running back room but i think marquis step gives you the best chance to win right now and get the most production out of the run game just with his vision and the way he can stretch and sink things and he falls forward instead of getting stood up Searles NFL question before we say goodbye. Jeremiah Searles with us. The Bills do what this year? The Vikings do what? And your Chargers do what? So the Bills win the AFC East. They meet with the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship, and it's a coin flip who wins that game this year, in my opinion. Uh, The Vikings go mm, uh, mm, 500, I think, this year is a safe bet for them. From what I've seen in the preseason, they just haven't looked great. And I think the Chargers get the wild card spot going about 10 and 7 would be my say, maybe 11 and 6, get the wild card spot and battle it out in the playoffs. But they're just still growing pains with the young O line and the young quarterback as they move forward. There you go. Searles take on the NFL. We'll get your call on Carolina next week. We'll let you ponder that one. But uh, yeah. Searles, you uh, get plenty of water and fluid. And can't wait to hear you on Saturday. Thanks for your time today, bud. Hey, appreciate it. Go Big Red. Send me a cold towel. <laughs> Throw one to him. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Danny Burke with us, the pride of Chicago. Burke's best bets, you hear him on the VEASAN Sports Network, his show, Rush Hour, 6 to 7 Central, all over the country, in the iHeart Media Channel. Danny, uh, we are into week three for college football, the NFL on the doorstep. How are you? I'm doing good, Schmitty. I mean, it was a fun week this past week. You know, I, I'm sure you guys are celebrating down there in Lincoln. The Huskers taking care of business like they should have. Uh, special teams certainly still a concern for this team. But look, um, you know, the spread doesn't necessarily indicate it per se, but I think this weekend may be a, uh, a little bit scarier than the uh, 13, 12-point spread that you're seeing in favor of Nebraska. Yeah, fear the bull, right? And uh, the, the line jumped up from 10.5 to 13.5. It's going to all be all about Nebraska kind of matching mentality and physicality. What do you see with this one? Are you uh, of the uh, opinion that maybe a win for Nebraska but not a cover, or do you think uh, we see a new or slash different Nebraska? Smitty, I, you know, if you're giving me the 13 points, I would feel more inclined to take that with Buffalo than I would to lay it with Nebraska, really, no matter who the opponent is at this point. And obviously, I mean, you saw them kill Fordham. But, look, Buffalo's a different team. This is an experienced team that, yes, plays in a weaker conference in the MAC, but at the same time, they have the talent there. So you have seen the movement toward Nebraska on the spread, but that's not necessarily where I'm more inclined to lean toward. I actually played this total going over. This one opened up maybe about 52, 52 and a half, and you've been seeing a lot of 54 and a half, and that's what I grabbed because, again, you know, Buffalo's going to be able to provide enough offense despite Nebraska's defense being very sound. I mean, it didn't look like it against Illinois, but they got put in a lot of rough situations because of special teams in the offense. But I think Buffalo will be able to do enough on their end, and more importantly, you know, their defense really isn't that great. And Nebraska's offense going into their third game should be more acclimated and should have more of a rhythm and confidence 
after what they did against Fordham. So I see this one being a little bit higher scoring, and I like it over 54 and a half. There you have it with Danny Burke. He says do the overs, 54 and a half, if you can grab them. You know, I think this thing's going to be a four-quarter game. Nebraska could get a, a late score to backdoor, and, and uh, you know, that makes some Nebraska fans happy. But I think there's a lot of folks, to your point, they're going to grab the 13, 13 and a half just because of the uncertainty with the Big Red. Yeah, and that's what's always interesting about, you know, betting in general, but specifically in a sport like college football, because a lot of people think recency bias too. And in this instance, yeah, it happened two weeks ago. But, you know, nobody's sold on Nebraska. Okay, you know, you wallop scored them, but you're supposed to do that. So now they see a, a team like Buffalo and – they know what Buffalo's done in the MAC, and they think, wow, Buffalo's catching, you know, almost two touchdowns. I got to take that. Whereas it looks like the sharper money is trusting the Huskers a little bit more. So, so if you fall into the line of the notion of fading the public, then yeah, you probably might want to lay the points in the bracket because it seems like that's where the sharps are. But you know, I don't think uh, my heart and mental state of mind can take laying almost two touchdowns with the Nebraska <laughs> this weekend, Schmidt. Danny, just briefly, do you, do you see this line moving back towards Buffalo? You say a lot of the public is moving back towards Buffalo. Do you think after an early move towards Nebraska, we could see the shifting closer and closer to, to Buffalo as uh, we approach kickoff? If it, if it were to get to 14, I absolutely think it could, but I don't know if it's going to get that high. Now, of course, you know, the sharp and respected money is what's going to actually move the line more so than the public, and it's not like this is a huge public interest game that would warrant enough public action to alter the line. So maybe if it got to 13.5 and, and 14, then I think you might see some buyback right before the game. But really, you'd only see significant buyback if it got to that relatively key number-ish of 14. Danny Burke with us, Burke's Best Bets, Hail Varsity Radio. Danny, a quick thought, Iowa, Iowa State, game days there, Cyclones minus 4.5. Honestly, Shreddy, I keep going back and forth on this one because you know we understand what we're going to get out of this Iowa team. and It's a good running game with good sense. But at the same time, you have arguably a better running game with Hall and Iowa State. So whose defense is going to play better? Whose quarterback is going to play better? Petras didn't do anything against Indiana that gave me any confidence that he could step up. And I think uh, Purdy is a little bit better. So I don't know. It's tough because you're over the key number of three, and that makes me want to take it with Iowa. But I think that the Cyclones are just a little bit more talented, and we have seen the movement go that way, Schmitty. But I, I genuinely think that maybe, you know, this is just a toss-up game. I'm going to stay away in that. If anything, I would maybe entertain this game going under the total. Yeah, both of these teams are going to focus on running the ball because that's their strength. And if Iowa can get the turnovers like they did against Indiana, then, yeah, they can absolutely cover and win this game. But, you know, that's a lot to bank on with a better Cyclone team than we saw with an Indiana team. What's over-under on this one? Uh, I don't know the. I think it was in the upper 40s last I saw, and the movement was going for the over, Schmitty, which was kind of odd to me. So I think you know a lot of times you don't want to be against that sharp movement where the line's going, but this may be a case where you're getting the better value now, and it's going to see a little bit of buyback down toward the under, closer to game time, because again, you know these teams are familiar with each other. Their strengths are the run game, and they both still have two solid defenses. So I think it can be a slow kind of ugly game that we've seen between these two teams the past few seasons. Daddy, let's hit NFL, brother. And uh, you've got uh, Tampa and Dallas tonight, minus nine. I, I think that's a really high number. Uh, I know Dallas isn't uh, world beaters, but any time it's close to double digit, digits in the NFL, 
that that's a bit scary. Your Bears get underway Sunday night out in La La Land as well. Yeah, so I, you know, it's kind of funny to me to see this Tampa Bay line go to nine. Luckily, I got on it uh, in on this a little bit earlier. So what I did was a teaser with both the Bucks and uh, the Rams in this spot because what they fall in line with are viable teaser options and. The one area they're viable with is home favorites of just over seven points, being, you know, about a seven and a half, eight, eight and a half point favorite. And you tease them down by six, and that brings you down to the key numbers of seven and three. So with Tampa Bay, I had them as an eight point favorite, brought them down to minus two against the Cowboys tonight. And then with the Rams, you know, they were, or they're still weighing seven and a half, so brought them down six points to minus one and a half. Look, the Bears are going to struggle. There's no way this offense is going to be able to produce anything enough to keep it close. So I think the Rams should be able to take care of business as should the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. Danny Burke with us. Burke's best bet. Sale Varsity Radio. Danny's Dimes. You hear him uh, with the VEASAN Sports Network. And, of course, Rush Hour, his show, 6 to 7, Monday through Friday. Uh, hundreds of affiliates. And, of course, iHeart Media Network is where you hear that uh, on the uh, the iHeart uh, podcast and streaming channel. Danny, uh, a last thought here, about 30 seconds. Is there a uh, – it's not a great week of college football, but is there a game you're looking at other than Nebraska? Yeah, if you can get six and a half with Army, I like them. This weekend against Western Kentucky, I liked Army week one, and they absolutely blew out Georgia State as a two-point dog. So uh, I'd like that you can get over, under the key number of seven at home with this Army team that's just going to run the ball, as we know, down the throat of Western Kentucky. I think they can win by at least a touchdown. There he is. Uh, take Army this weekend, says Danny Burke. And uh, that line around six and a half. And a triple option, baby. Good stuff. Danny, have a great weekend at NFL. Uh, cheer your Bears on, and we'll see you next week. Hey, sounds like a plan, Shreddy. Take care. All right. Love the pride of Chicago. Good takes from him on the NFL and some college ball. We'll wind down a Thursday. Don't forget, on the road at the single barrel tomorrow, 4 to 6. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Thursday, NFL around the corner, Dallas, Tampa Bay, and I know she's rooting her chief son, Deb the Spa Lady, with us. Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha. SpasOnline.com. Deb, are you ready for some football? How you doing? Oh, yes. It's about time. We're ready to get things going. We, we always feel like we get through the state fair, and that means basically summer's over. So then we move on to fall and football season. So, yeah, we're still – but we really still are – Seeking state fair. We're not quite done with it yet. We've decided that we'll honor those state fair prices this Saturday. So if you were at the fair and talked to us and just didn't make that decision that you've been thinking and wishing you would have, stop in and see us. Give us a call. Uh, we'll still honor those prices through Saturday. So you haven't lost out. Deb, the time is now, like you say, ultimate selection, uh, incredible inventory that, yes, you do have and will get. And, of course, the swim spa. And, I mean, these these deals are just flat-out steals, aren't they? 
They really are. And this in this day and age, I tell you, it's really rare to be able to even get a spa. So come in, see us, check out the time frame that we have, and uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Deb, when can folks get a hold of you? How do they uh, get in touch uh, to get some of that fair pricing throughout the weekend? Well, we can uh, get that pricing to them through our either one of our locations, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, 138th and Industrial in Omaha. They can go to our website, spasonline.com. Uh, we'll be at the stores Monday through Friday, 10 to 6, and then Saturday we'll be there 10 to 4. Deb, how you feeling about Sunday? Good. Big Can't time wait. win? Big time win? Oh, big time. Uh-huh. Big time. Well, those Cleveland fans are going to cry, and Deb says it's going to be <laughs> her <okay>. Chiefs. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's all right. They'll need a they'll need a soak. They'll need to see Deb Smile Lady afterwards. Need a soak they in the hot will. tub. <laughs> Deb, that's right. We'll uh, catch up again next week. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Go see Deb. That fair pricing through Saturday at Home Innovation Spas, uh, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road. Reminder about your friends at Aero Brokerage. We're not far away from another road trip and helping power that road trip. Aero Brokerage, your full-service real estate broker, owned and operated by local real estate investors. And Aero specializes in real estate, uh, and they are a mighty team that is there for the clients. They are talented, they are great at relationships, and they are wonderful when it comes to all things real estate, when it comes to buying and selling and staging and investing and much more. So if you're going to contact somebody today, uh, the two you need to think of is Jenny Limbach and uh, Marcus Schmidt uh, with Aero Brokerage. Brokerage at aerolincoln.com on the email. Website is aerolincoln.com backslash brokerage. And, of course, the Instagram and Facebook at Arrow Lincoln for Facebook at Arrow underscore Lincoln. Uh, when it comes to Arrow Brokerage, help and power the road shows with Hale Varsity on the road tomorrow. Staking a beer for tonight? Yes. Give me I, Dallas and the points. Dang, I want a Dallas and the points. Um, I also rock with Tampa Bay. Okay. I get I get nine and a half. Sure. Uh, can we make it seven and a half? No. Eight and a half. Nine and a half. Nine even. Nine's, nine's the number. Nine's fine. I'll take the Cowboys and the points. Tampa will win. Talk to you from the single barrel tomorrow.